Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Now, there are various mental health conditions that would be and are very well known, but one, anhedonia, you may not have heard of, even though it was first identified in the 19th century. Tanith Carey is the author of many books on psychology and parenting, but our latest deals with this condition because she lives with it. It's called Feeling Blah, Why Anhedonia Has Left You Joyless and How to Recapture Life's Highs. Tanith, good afternoon. Good afternoon. My first question is, am I pronouncing it correctly? You are pronouncing it perfectly. Oh, yeah. right. OK. <laughs> I, I usually don't, uh, to be honest with you. Now, it, 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 did you first come across it because you noticed something within yourself or did you, yeah, or did you read about it and go, hang on, this, this feels familiar to me? Right. So I first noticed it in myself. Um, I'm an author and I got some very good news from my agent on the phone one day. And as I was saying, oh, that's fantastic. That's great. That's brilliant. And I put down the phone and I could hear myself saying the words, but it was like they were being said by someone else. I couldn't actually feel the joy or the happiness of that moment. Mm. And then after that moment, I kind of looked, I sort of noticed it more and more. I mean, I love Christmas, but on Christmas Day, I couldn't quite be in the present. I couldn't really feel the the joy flowing at parties. I always felt a little bit on the outside. Um, And I just didn't feel like I was feeling my full range of emotions. And this was bothering me more and more. And then I think if people feel like this, they think, oh, you know, get a grip. What are you moaning about? There's lots of people who are a lot worse off than you. But I, I think because I write about what I, I need to learn and I'm a very curious person. Uh, one night while my husband was sleeping next to me, I decided to Google it. And lo and behold, there was a load of research on this. And I realized that what, what it was, this really feeling of numbness and emotional flatlining actually had a word that is very well known to clinicians and neuroscientists and psychiatrists but for some reason the rest of us many of whom might be living with it don't seem to know about it so I thought it was really important that we started to talk about this um, missing word in the general mental health conversation Mm. and that's what the book is about sort of analyzing and then I think also what's great is that I thought I it was just the way life was and I didn't realize there's a range of environmental and biological and hormonal reasons that can, can contribute to blah. And once you realize that blah or anhedonia is an actual thing, you know, they say name it to tame it, then you can actually take steps to address it and understand it. Yeah. So is, is there, if you like, a clinical definition of what it is? Yeah, anhedonia is a loss of motivation in sort of a, in, in, in living a good life or the loss of joy in things you used to, used to have fun doing. So it's a kind of, it is an emotional flatlining. It's like you, you lose your ability to feel joy, basically. That's what anhedonia is. Mm. Even though I suppose, it, it, and, and it would be situations where you know you should be feeling better about this, but for some reason, is it, you know, mm. the joy's in there, you can't access it, or, or you know that you used to feel joy in this thing? Absolutely. Well, you remember, I mean, if you're at a celebration or at Christmas, you know you're supposed to be feeling good. But I mean, what I discovered, because, um, I mean, obviously I'm a, I'm a, I'm a science writer, I'm a psychology writer, but, you know, I went to some of the world's best-known neuroscientists or who, who deal in the running of the brain's reward system in order to understand what happens in anhedonia when, because basically the, the mesolimbic reward pathway is what makes us feel pleasure. Um, and it basically, there's many, many things that can interrupt its smooth running. So what I do in the, in, in the book is to also describe how joy is made in the brain because the really interesting thing is like modern life tells us oh you know you want to be happy but if you ask most people how is happiness made in the brain most people actually couldn't tell you 
So I thought the first step was actually to try and describe mm-hmm. in a kind of, you know, ways that people can understand what is happening when you get good feelings so that you can understand why that system might have gone off online, gone offline for you. Yeah, are our brains actually designed for happiness? Because, you know, we keep hearing so much that our, desi- our brains are actually designed from, you know, running away from other cavemen who are trying to kill us and that kind of thing. Absolutely, Sean. Yeah. So basically our brains, and this is something I think that, you know, our capitalist society and advertising has told us that we're supposed to be happy all the time. So Mm. then we therefore feel disappointed when we're not. But as you say, we have the same brains as we had 100,000 years ago. And basically our brain, the human brain developed as a survival machine. And that's how that's how we became the kind of the top boss on the earth, because our brains were adapted to becoming really good survival, survive, well, I mean, survivors, basically. So now we don't have to survive every day. Um, we're not being chased by saber-toothed tigers and all the rest of it. Then we're like looking for things to kind of worry about. <laughs> <laughs> and then basically what happens is the dopamine reward circuit then gets overloaded by cortisol, which is the stress hormone. And, and cortisol suppresses the action of dopamine because obviously we live in, with lots of micro stressors, lots of micro kind of deadlines, emails, the 24-hour news cycle. So our brains are not really um, equipped to deal with what we're giving it. I think that's the problem. So my point in the book is what we are having at the moment is a mental health freefall. Every generation since the 50s has got less happy. So wow. I think... Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. But like what we do have on our side is that we have like technology like fMRI scanners, which shows how emotions are made in the brain. So we understand how that happens at a deeper level. It's now time to access that information and use it to push back on the stresses of modern life, which are actually making us more miserable. Yeah. Now, the, the, the causes are, 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 can there be multiple causes for this and, and you know, multiple combination of causes for this? Yes, absolutely. So there are multiple, as you say, it could be, um, it could be personal history, it could be childhood, it could be fear of happiness, you can actually have a fear of happiness if you never had that during childhood, and you think it's going to be snatched away from you. It can be hormonal. So for example, women approaching and in the menopause, um, that estrogen drops, and that has a very direct effect on the production of feel good hormones like dopamine and serotonin. It can be diet related because a lot of our feel good um, hormone serotonin is actually made in our gut. So a lot of our very modern sort of processed foods um, has a negative effect on those microbiota. Um, it can be stress related. Um, the problem is, is that like when we feel good, the dopamine only spikes for five minutes or so. When we have a stressor, the cortisol stays in our body for an hour. And because we live in a society where we never really allow the cortisol to drop back down again, um, the cortisol is basically winning at the moment. So that's why we just feel anxious. It's very difficult to enjoy life when you feel anxious and stressed and worried and overwhelmed. Um, And that's the problem, really. Uh, But also, I mean, and this is totally anecdotal, but say during the pandemic and during lockdown, an awful lot of people kind of seem to experience that feeling of meh. Uh, uh, that that they were just kind of exist, you know, they were kind of running through cotton wool and didn't feel any Mm. extreme of anything. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people felt zombified. I mean, there's a numbing feeling about anhedonia, which makes it very distinct from depression. I mean, anhedonia is a symptom of depression, but it is also a standalone condition. And there's there's an incredible amount of research around this. I just couldn't believe that, like, why do we, who like many of us are living in this kind of middle ground in mental health, this sort of slightly grey area, we're not depressed, but we're not having a great time. We kind of know there's something more. 
but like, how come we don't know about this word? Because if we don't know about this word, we can't really address it and start to flourish again. I think that's what we need to be doing is flourishing again. And also what I believe is we shouldn't accept meh and blah as the status quo, because that is a very sad way to be. I mean, the world needs people who are flourishing, who are reaching their potential, who are like, you know, able to. And also because, you know, we're living in a mental health crisis. It's like, what example are we setting our children if we are not enjoying life? Yeah, um, it's it's. Well, I suppose it's and and you kind of alluded to yourself earlier on. You can have like a a nice job, lovely family, mm-hmm. you know, everything's ostensibly great in your life. But if you're feeling meh about it, you might be also saying to yourself, "What have you got to whine about?" Absolutely, and that's why many people don't talk about it. It's like a guilty secret because you think, "Oh, I shouldn't moan." I'm like, "What? What? You know, I should just be getting on with it." Mm. But I mean, my my point in the book, you know, people might say I'm pathologizing this. I'm not at all. It, it is a condition. And it can be addressed. And people don't have to live in this kind of grey twilight. They don't have to look at their lives like they're on the other side of a piece of of frosted glass. They can, you know, I'm not saying you should be joyful all the time because that's just not possible. But you should be able to feel the full range of your human emotion um, and just, yeah, I mean, have some joy, you know, and really be in the moment. Mm. I think a lot of us are not in the moment, you know, because we're worried about a lot of other stuff. So uh, the the treatment options for this. Hmm. Yeah, treatment. I mean, um, there are many, basically the third, whole third of the book is kind of a toolbox because everybody's sort of what's going to help everybody's going to be slightly different. So mm. it might be something like behavioral activation. It might be having a look at your uh, hormones. That's for both men and women because men can also go through the andropause. It can be having a look at your diet. It could be doing behavioral activation, which is a little bit of something you enjoy every single day until you start to get the feel good hormones running again but I would think I would say what the most important thing that anybody would take away from this book is actually this is a thing this is a condition you don't have to live with it just knowing that can you know it raises your awareness and what the book is about is also about giving you back some control about how to manage your happiness hormones and your stress hormones so that you can because at the moment the dials are all not at the right levels Mm, (laughs) actually once you understand some basic neuroscience you can start to kind of adjust the dials so that you start to go up that that few points you know and your average well-being is starting to rise a little bit you know every day and it's 1.1 it's the tiny things you do one percent at a time one percent at a time and that, that build up and add up yeah, I, I could, but it sounds like finding some sort of balance because you're not aiming for, you know, ecstasy all the time and no. being one of these annoyingly totally positive 100% <laughs> of the time people. No, you, you want to be, a, you want to be in a, have an awareness of how you feel and what you can do to make yourself a better, feel better if you need to and have a growth mindset and a sense of control over that. I think that's mm. really important. Can, can I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm not going to say, like, if you're depressed, this is not the book for you. Like, yes. you know, you yeah. need to be seeing a clinician. I'm not going to say, oh, you know just feed your brain good inputs and you're going to it's not that you know what i mean i want to make mm. a very clear distinction there yeah because it, it sounds i mean i wouldn't be surprised if it's not extremely common and a lot of people mm. uh, uh live with it but they just think well i'm a miserable sod so that's just the way it is and yeah and, what a shame to accept that yeah. as status quo why you know yeah. you don't have to yeah <laughs> can, can can it be like it, it can be situational can be hormonal can it be like can previous trauma trigger this kind of thing yeah, absolutely. So um, in childhood, if you had a very chaotic childhood in which maybe the adults uh, acted in unpredictable ways, you may have been wired to think that if you have a happy experience, it's going to be snatched away from you. So, And then you might develop coping mechanisms, which you're not even aware of. So I talk about this in the book was like, you know, I 
on my wedding day, I noticed that I was marrying this lovely man. I was in an incredible wedding. I really wanted to be there. But I noticed that, again, I wasn't in the moment. I, you know, my husband was weeping with joy. I just mm-hmm. didn't feel anything. And I, uh, I felt like I was watching myself down a long tunnel. And it was during the process of this book, which has been an incredible personal journey for me, that I realized that I was disassociating that because I'd grown up in the middle of two warring parents in order to protect myself, um, what you happens is you disassociate and basically you go into a different part of your brain and your nervous system sort of shuts down. But the thing is, you can feel that not only uh, as a protective me- mechanism when you feel under threat, but also in situations where you feel great emotion. Oh, so I yes. also had to learn in the book to kind of rewire myself and ground myself in those moments. Um, so yeah, there are many reasons. Yeah, and and how are you doing now? And and I'm is good. it still an ongoing <laughs> kind of uh, you know you have to keep reminding yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, I uh, I put into practice the evidence based um, solutions I put in the book. I mean, yesterday, one of the big things I do is I, I when I, I learned from Professor Kent Burridge, she's one of the leading um, neuroscientists on the reward system, that dopamine is not the molecule of reward; it's the do- the molecule of anticipation. So basically every week, as this sounds basic, but it really works, I have something in the diary that I really look forward to, and that builds my um, my dopamine, and I enjoy it more. And also he told me that um, joy is regular joy is not one thing. It's in three parts. It's the anticipation of something you're going to enjoy. It's the appreciation of it being in the moment. And it's also the remembering of it afterwards, so you want to do it again. So mm-hmm. therefore, I approach my joyful experiences with that. So yesterday, I went to a gorgeous beach with my husband and my daughter. We looked forward to it. We planned it. When we got there, we did things like, you know, we, we, we paddled, we breathed in the sea air, we got some sensory inputs. And then last night when I got home, I wrote about it. And I, I hate to say the word gratitude because it's, it's become a bit of a cliche, but yes. the science shows it has an amazing effect on how we see the world. So then after that, I wrote about my gratitude diary. So it's like these little things, I'm not saying it's going to be overnight. It's just basically feeding your brain positive inputs with intention. Mm. Yeah, because it's uh, yeah, it does sound like what you just said. It does sound a bit like mindfulness, which of course is thrown around as the cure to mm. everything. But yeah, it's kind of being aware of uh, yeah. of the anticipation and the enjoyment of the moment, and then thinking about it afterwards. So, well, it's being aware of how joy is made in the brain. Is so yeah. important. I mean, you know. Yeah. So yeah, Tana, thanks yeah. a million for speaking with us today. Uh, that was Tana Carey, there, author of Feeling Blah: Why Anhedonia Has Left You Joyless and How to Recapture Life's Highs. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. with Anna Glaze on News Talk.